Welcome to a fresh edition of Right to the Point. I'm your host, Tim Throckmorton. This is a product of LifePoint Ministries, and I want to welcome you to the uh, to the broadcast today. Honored to have with me, and by the way, I'm in, in San Antonio, Texas for the Kufi Leadership Summit and meeting a new friend that I met in Columbus a few months back, Boris Zilberman, who is the Director of Public Policy and Strategy. Now, first I want to define Kufi, Christians United for Israel. Let's, uh, let's begin there, Boris, um, and maybe as you're weaving that together, talk about how you got involved, how you met Kufi, and how you got involved, and then we'll go from there on some topics. Absolutely. Thanks for first. Thanks for having me, and thanks for being down here with us in San Antonio. Uh, it's wonderful to see you again. Uh, so, Christians United for Israel is a 12 million strong uh, organization uh, across the country, every state. We have city directors, county directors, um, congressional liaisons, uh, and we are literally in in, in every neighborhood, basically, uh, focused on uh, supporting Israel, strengthening the U.S. relationship, supporting the Jewish people. Uh, and we do that in a number of ways that I'm, I'm sure we'll get into here. Uh, but the big ones, obviously, are kind of strategic relationship, the threats Israel faces, the big ones. Everybody's following in the Middle East, Iran, um, and Hezbollah and Hamas. And then we do a lot of things domestically here. Uh, we've seen a rise in anti-Semitism, and so Kufi has been working hard to combat that. Uh, we've seen a lack of Holocaust education, so again, we're, we're working uh, with our networks across the country to enhance Holocaust education where, in states where it's lacking. Uh, and something I know we're going to talk about more extensively um, is the BDS movement, the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanction movement that's targeting Israel. It's economic warfare uh, in layman's terms. Um, and it's taking on different shapes and forms. And, and one of those is ESG. I know we're going to get into that, uh, but want to touch on that there. Um, and so we are involved. We are involved in state capitals um, in working with state legislators uh, to pass uh, legislation, uh, sometimes working with state boards of education. Uh, if we can do things administratively and not have to go through a legislature, that's always uh, preferable. Um, and on the federal, you know, on the federal uh, area, working with, um, you know, obviously worked a lot with the Trump administration on items having to do with anti-Semitism, the executive order of uh, December 2019 uh, that President Trump signed. Um, and we're working with, you know, House and Senate on uh, a number of items, whether it's uh, a military assistance to, to Israel, uh, which is $3.8 billion. Most of it comes back right here for, for, for jobs across the country. Um, and then uh, also on things like fighting the UN and their Israel bias uh, on, on all fronts and working on kind of building out the Abraham Accords and what that means. And one of the things we did uh, at our summit last year was support the DEFEND Act, which supports building a kind of missile defense architecture between the Abraham Accord countries. So we've got our... We've got our hand in a lot of issues on the state and federal. It keeps us busy uh, in the Kufi Action Fund office in D.C., um, but it's it's very rewarding, and we've got a great, great, really core membership here that are here in San Antonio, and it's great to reconnect with everybody. Well, so how did you personally get connected to Kufi and Absolutely. kind of roll into this role? Yeah, so I went, uh, did my undergrad work at University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa, uh, was very involved uh, in starting a pro-Israel group on campus. Um, Did you know about Kufi then? So when I was there, I was actually, 
date myself a little bit. That's before Kufi started. Okay. All uh, right. I graduated University of Alabama in 2006, which was actually the year that Kufi was started. Um, and so did it, another group called APAC, American Israel Public Affairs yeah. Committee, uh, was involved with them as a campus activist, trained by them. Um, and naturally, you know, thankfully, unlike other campuses, the University of Alabama is a very pro-Israel campus. Um, and small Jewish community, uh, and so a lot of my time was spent talking to the Calvaries on campus, the other folks, um, people in the Student Government Association um, who had a whole obvious background was kind of rural Alabama, very you know religious background, and so that we connected on on Israel, where for them it was it was a biblical thing, uh, just like for most Kufi members. Um, and so that's where I got started, University of Alabama. I interned at APAC um, in, in in DC uh, during my time in college. And then I worked at APAC uh, once I started uh, in, in DC. I worked in their policy and government affairs shop, uh, worked on state, you know, foreign office issues, defense issues, was there for five years, um, was always kind of in touch. And so one of my best friends in, in, in college, Ari Morgenstern, who also works at KUFI, um, started a lot earlier than me. Uh, they, he worked with them for, for a long time before I, I joined, but that was one of, you know, I worked at a think tank, Foundation for Defense of Democracies, uh, on government affairs and, and, and Russia issues and Middle East issues for uh, seven years after working for five at APAC. And then, you know, Ari called me and they were kind of gearing up their C4 in DC, the Kufi Action Fund, where I'm at now. And, you know, it was an opportunity to come over, build something uh, new. I'd always been in touch with them anyway, kind of, kind of, talking to him of what, what's going on in the Hill because Kufi is interesting where most DC organizations grow inside out, where they start in DC or start in New York or, or wherever and then try to build a grassroots. Kufi is really blessed where, yeah. uh, especially from my standpoint of, of working in the policy item, where there is, they built this national network first. Yeah. Uh, it is, it's a flip, yeah. And it's totally, it's totally flipped. For those people that really know kind of how DC works, it's a very inverse model. Uh, which we are the beneficiaries of now, where we yeah. we we st started a policy shop in D.C. already having a very strong twelve million yeah, now twelve of, million members exactly one of the strongest kind of grassroots um, mm-hmm. folks in all parts of the country and I think where our added benefit to the pro-Israel community it really comes in. Um, I know this specific, specifically from working at APAC is you know APAC and Jewish community is strong and. New York, Florida, kind of the big, the big urban areas that you'd expect uh, there to be a, a bigger kind of Jewish presence, uh, but not less so in you know smaller numbers in in the Dakotas and the Montanas and in Alabama and, and and places like that. So we our added benefit is we really make the pro-Israel movement national. You know, it's there's there, I agree. Th- there are people. You know, when we talk to a senator from Montana or North Dakota, he knows that he's got big con- church congregations that. Are very active with Kufi. Um, we had, you know, a, a senator on, on on a kind of donor call not long ago, and you know, he probably has a couple hundred Jews in his in his uh, um, district, in a state, and yeah. and but he knows that he's got, you know, thousands, and you know, some of those states only have two or three hundred thousand people in them. So if you have a big church with a thousand people, that's you're here. That, that's a, that's a sizable chunk, <clears throat> and so I think that's where uh, it was. It was it was interesting to come over to Kufi Action Fund, uh, build something out, uh, keep working on a lot of the same issues, but with obviously a new, uh, new, new twist. Um, and so it's been really great. It's been my fourth year now, 
Um, and it's been wonderful and kind of having that, that connection, having been familiar with Kufi, you know, I, I saw my first introduction was the APAC policy conference in 2006 when Pastor John Hagee spoke at, uh, to kind of really introduce Kufi and what, and what kind of Christian Zionism was really all about. Um, and that certainly captured me there. Uh, and then years later, having an opportunity where they're actually standing up a DC shop to come over was, was really, has been really great. Boris, I, I appreciate your good work. Uh, at the Family Research Council, we have a C4 arm as well, so I understand the dynamics. I also understand its place and importance in this, in this um, mechanism we call government and how this is where a lot of people around America say, what can I do? I, I know something needs to be done, but what can I do? These are where some tangible... Uh, action steps can be really walked out into bringing people into involvement. I, I was around APAC, went to Israel with APAC. I've, I've seen their good work. This is unique. It's different. Uh, and it's, you're right, it, it reaches into the Midwest and really it's, it's America's love of Israel, not just certain places in America or people in America. This is about the heart, the fabric of America. So, when when I'm talking to church folk and pastors and they want to get involved, this is a real place where their investment of their money, their time can have lasting impact because you see the legislation as it is presented and you can speak to that and defend Israel. You want to stand with Israel? You want to defend Israel? Helping you does that very thing, doesn't it? No, absolutely, and it's, it's invaluable and, you know, Church leaders, pastors uh, get involved, and in, you know, right now we're working in st- the states. We're working on state legislation, including you know Alaska, Nebraska, places that without leadership of pastors and so on, um, that have already have relationships with state legislatures, which is so critical. Uh, they 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 know because state legislatures, guess what? They they go go on to become members of Congress, senators, mm-hmm. governors, um, and so when they you you know you start early and you get to those legislators early uh, and you build those relationships that they know that this church is is a Kufi pro-Israel church, uh, they know that they have their backs. Because at the end of the day, legislators, whether it's on state or federal level, want to know that if they support something that they have folks in their district that are going to back them up, right? That they're not just taking a vote and are going to get shellacked. Uh, because uh, around the whole country, there's people on the left that don't support Israel, and they're gonna, and they're they're very vocal, and so those legislators are gonna, are gonna hear from them. But they need to know that there are pastors, churches, um, m- pro-Israel members of the community that support them, uh, and so it's really key because we don't want to take and we don't take support for Israel for granted. It's a constant fight. Um, you know, my former boss at APAC, Howard Core, would always say. Um, uh, fights don't stay won and points don't stay made, more mm. or less, right? And Good so, point. Especially in D.C. and as you know in D.C., <laughs> like that's that's the ultimate truth, is, yeah. is, 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 is you know battles don't stay won and points don't stay made. Yeah, yeah. The um, game is always the ball's always in play. The ball's always in play, <laughs> and just because one session you have a win doesn't yeah. mean it's gonna that that stays in place. Clock doesn't stop. Yeah, clock doesn't stop. Uh, you can't just be like, well, we won this round. Yeah. Let's pack it in. Yeah. Um, and so having that, that constant support in these parts of the, all across the country, but especially in those parts of the country where there's there's a void, 
um, is so key. And so having pastors join Kufi, having go to Israel with Kufi, uh, go to the summit in, in the summer and let, you know, lobby their members of Congress on these issues, that people know that back home you have regular folks. And that's what I think what I love about Kufi so much is most of our membership are just regular folks, blue yeah. collar, they go to church, they go to work, and they, they care deeply about Israel, the Jewish people. Um, and I think that also just the makeup of our membership, um, more salt of the earth, like, these are your more your regular voters yeah. that you're engaging with than most of the, the fly-ins that come into D.C. Um, and so I think that's that's key too that folks, that members and legislators see that these are these are the people that you are, are coming to your town hall. These are Americans. Yeah, these are these are just Americans. These are just Americans that really care deeply about something, and they're using their time and treasure to, you know, do their duty to, to voice their you know. You uh, mentioned needs. education. Yes. And Barna, who works with us at FRC, George Barna, tells us that only 6% of Americans have a true biblical worldview. There's less um, knowledge of the Bible now than ever before. There's also, along with biblical illiteracy, there's civic illiteracy. Not everybody knows oops, how the government works. And there's historical illiteracy. So that's not just in American history, but it's also in, in Israel's history. If you don't know the Bible, you don't know who Israel is in the whole scheme of things. And then you, if, if as you're alluding to earlier in your comments about teaching about the Holocaust, about Israel's story, its formation as a nation as well, um, in education. So we, we work on pushing back on... Uh, LGBTQ, transgender ideologies, and uh, critical race theory. But there's more in education to stand against, and that is, and for many may not know this or think about it, you're working on legislation to help promote the teaching of the truth of the story of the Holocaust and and Israel. Tell, tell us what that battle's like and where it's finding some traction. Yeah, it's it, absolutely, that's a great question, and, and there's Interesting anecdotes. Louisiana is a, a great example of this, uh, where you know, in this process, we kind of we do a survey of the states, see where their standards, you know, curriculum standards are at. What are they teaching? Do they have Holocaust education laws in the books, policies? And in a state like Louisiana, we came across that they, they were barely teaching World War II history. <laughs> Never mind, the, you know, curriculum barely touched on that. So, yeah. you in some of these states, you're kind of taken aback. We're like, well, we got to can't teach the Holocaust without, if you're not teaching the World War II. So in some places, we've seen just general education gaps in, in social studies curriculum, which is, is, is a problem if you look at polling and information of how many people know X, Y, or Z about just basic history of the 20th century. Sure. Uh, in some places, it's pretty shocking. And that was one of the places uh, that we worked successfully with. Uh, and New Orleans is a really good um, Holoc um, World War II Museum. We worked with them, worked with the Jewish community in New Orleans um, to work with the State Board of Education. Ultimately, we worked with legislators, but the State Board of Education kind of got the message that we don't need to legislate this. Um, they understand these gaps. They, they updated their curriculum, uh, both in the World War II uh, matter and also in the Holocaust education matter. Because you got involved. Because we got involved. So, I mean, in a place like Louisiana, I think we... Not, not to pat ourselves too much on the back, but I think kids are going to be 
now not only learning about the Holocaust, but learning a little more deeper about actually World War Two, yeah. um, which which is key because you know as, you know if you, if, you, if you don't know the past, you're you're destined to repeat it, um, and that's kind of a very basic ba- basic mantra here. Um, and so in a lot of states, you know, we try to do things ideally again administratively. If we can go to the state board, and thankfully Holocaust education is a very bipartisan issue. If you show, look, you're not teaching anything about this. We just want something that's age appropriate for high school kids. Uh, or middle school, whatever, whatever is age appropriate um, at different levels, you know, we want to, when, when you're updating your curriculum, because usually most state boards of education will revamp their curriculums in certain cycles, two, four, six years. Um, and so if you can do it that way, great, because especially in education policy, as you guys probably know, top down, there's a lot, <laughs> people want correctly local control of their education, uh, they don't necessarily want to be, teachers don't necessarily want to be dictated to. My wife's a teacher, public school teacher in Fairfax, Virginia, which has been kind of a, a, a hot spot for, for a lot of these debates. <laughs> um, and so people don't want to be dictated down. But if you can approach, have a conversation with the Department of Education, show that, hey, this is a, we have a wide, you know, folks, Jewish groups, Christian groups, we just want to teach some basic history. This but, is not, this, we're, not, we're not asking something outlandish here. Right? No, you're not. At the same time, what you're asking them to teach is being fought uh, and, or, or falsely taught, the, the perspective on the Holocaust is being falsely championed on college campuses, uh, which produces teachers, and, and and that filters its way down to every grade level. But you're you're not. It's not just that nobody's saying anything. Some people are saying the wrong thing. People are saying the wrong things. People are are weaponizing false things about the Holocaust to to, to attack Israel or attack Jews, um, or you know. So there's 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 sometimes there's a lack of knowledge, or sometimes there's kind of a weaponization of knowledge in, in a very negative light. Um, so. That that is a very interesting issue, and we're, we're, it's Good. it's tough to navigate because in the edu- education space, as you alluded to, there are a lot of different fights. This is one that thankfully is is really probably just nonpartisan. Like most sure. most educators get that, yeah, we should teach about World War II, teach about the Holocaust, um, and giving them the tools. There's plenty of resources out there now. Uh, several years ago, we advocated for the Never Ed- Again Education Act, which gave the Holocaust Museum in D.C. kind of the resources and the mandate to provide teachers, you know, not, not, not that teachers had to go there, but this is, this is where you can get the resources. This is where you can get curriculum. Uh, and there's other places like the USC Shoah Center. There's, there's a number of places around the country that provide education, continuing education to teachers, which is usually required for most of them, um, and, and districts that are looking to implement this. Um, so we, 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 you know, again, Try to do a bottom-up versus the top-down, but at the top, there's also resources and, 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 and giving uh, school districts, states, counties the, you know, not everybody in the middle of nowhere is going to know yeah. necessarily yeah. What, the, what the right thing to teach is, but there's good resources out there now. There's a lot of grassroots involvement now. It, in fact, it's unparalleled in my experience. I've been involved in this realm of cultural engagement since 2004. I've never seen so many people self-educate on not just history and civics, but they're, they're now getting involved. So uh, can somebody go to KUFI and, you know, find materials or find talking points that they can use at a local level themselves as far as either they're running for school board or they want to make sure that their local school is doing something right? Uh, what would be what would be the, the avenue of, of approach? Because I'll get asked this question. It's the reason so I'm asking there's you. there's two things. On the 
Federal Policy Legislative Issues, CUFIActionFund.org, C-U-F-I-ActionFund.org. We'll have a lot of those. We'll, people can sign up to our weekly update, which gives you kind of a synopsis of what's going on on our issues at the federal level and internationally, kind of how we're viewing things, which can be useful for folks to put things into kind of short, pithy context of what's happening um, to kind of break through the noise. And then uh, at the state, you know, on CUFI.org, C-U-F-I.org, um, there's backgrounders, there's resources on the Holocaust, if people, that, a movie that we did Never Again uh, with Irving Roth, uh, of Blessed Memory, um, and, and Kasim Hafez. Uh, there, we have lots of resources on the CUFI.org for folks that want to, um, even if it's just showing a movie at, at, at their church, yeah. right? You know, you don't have to start big, you can start small. Um, because that you know, giving people the resources and information, especially in, in this time of age where we have information overload, if you can pick one or two good resources to share, that can have much more impact than giving people an encyclopedia. Thank you. I, and I'll make these websites available on the post mm -hmm. so that when we do get this up and running, it'll be there for folks to link to quickly and, and access. So this leads me, as we kind of round third and head for home here, I want to talk about ESG. Uh, it is a, an acronym that kind of popped up in the last few years. I think the tactics have been used uh, in multiple ways over the years, but this is a, a, a new diabolical strategy that, that doesn't just, it affects Israel, it affects everybody, really, uh, of, of good moral character who wants to be a good citizen, who wants to be a good steward of what God's entrusted to them. And in America, you know, those who want to take power uh, away from people and give it to the government, this is really taking power away. People are losing freedom here, and it's not actually, the, that's the unique thing. It's not the government, it's it's corporations and, and large entities of power that are using this strategy. So if you would, for... Guys like me, just unpack what it means, what it what it what it does, and how we can be wise about it. Happy to, and again, it's very, it is very non-transparent and very kind of behind the back way of doing it. Most people don't know what ESG is. You need to be kind of have some sort of financial background uh, to get what these financial firms are doing. But so ESG stands for Environmental Social Governance, um, and what they these. There are firms that specialize in the ESG ratings. Um, so it's almost like if you think of consumer reports and they give a rating about which cars are good and which cars are bad, who's safe and who's not. So you have these financial firms, ESG firms, uh, Morningstar for one that's been in the news on you know, having a pretty bad Israel record. Um, there are these firms that basically will go through and give companies scores of what, and it's very it's very subjective, right? They're use, it's, it, and in the Israel case of Morningstar, they use things like electro Electronic Intifada, which is a wildly anti-Israel, anti-Semitic website, um, as one of their sources for how they rate, you know, major, major, major companies. Um, and so, Israel is just one of these components. That this is something that affects energy, um, coal, agriculture, pretty much any industry um, that you can think of uh, have concerns about ESG. Uh, in this space. Um, and so what we've found is that, so at the top, 
34 states around the country have now implemented anti-BDS. BDS stands for Boycott, Divest, and Sanction Israel. Uh, it's an anti-Israel, anti-Semitic movement to basically create financial warfare against Israel. Um, and so 34 states have now passed anti-BDS laws. We're working on many more. We're working on the federal level to implement uh, things of, of, of similar nature. Um, and it's been very effective. Uh, you have had major companies like Airbnb and Unilever, who owns Ben & Jerry's, uh, who both tried to boycott Israel. Uh, but because those announced boycotts uh, triggered laws across the country, triggered huge uh, bipartisan um, pushback on the Hill uh, that said, hey, this is we're not, not cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, so they both reversed. Um, and so the BDS movement has been taking a lot of losses. And so they've tried to figure out well, how can we do this a little more slyly? We've got these laws in place. Let's try to influence this e these ESG firms. And so it is a, basically a backdoor anti-BDS or backdoor BDS um, movement uh, to rate companies, Israeli companies, in such a way that fi other financial firms that do the investing, uh, like BlackRock or, or uh, state firms or, or what, what, what have you, you know, they, they're going to look at these ESG ratings and most that don't, most financial advisors aren't Middle East experts or experts in any one of these industries necessarily, but they see, oh, who's got a good rating? You know, and, and a lot of times they're going to invest in what's in good rating, not necessarily what's profitable. And these ESG uh, firms basically make it okay for these fiduciary officers to make decisions that may actually be not very good economical decisions because you're they're scrolling by ESG ratings. Well, this Israeli company has a bad ESG rating, even though they're very profitable and be a good economic choice. You know, it it it, it may be not not good for me. Um, so basically, what we've seen and we have seen this again, Israel is just a part of this ESG debate. Um, there are rules before the government. There are movements uh, in the House specifically, but also in the Senate uh, to have hearings on these issues. Uh, to bring, to, and I think right now we're kind of in education mode. It's again not very transparent. You have a lot of pressure. Morningstar, this group out of Chicago, uh, who's been in the news on their anti-Israel ratings. There's been an investigation uh, launched by 11 state AGs. Um, there are folks on the Hill asking questions, and they're just one of these firms. Um, and so there's lots of questions about how they're doing this. They're not transparent. They're basically kind of pulling the strings in the back there of how these firm, or how companies are rated. Um, using questionable methods, questionable sources um, to give kind of this, this okay stamp uh, to basically boycott certain companies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a problem across all sorts of sectors, and Israel is just one of those. Um, and part of that right now is education, getting folks uh, aware of this, and then taking action of, hey, like, you're not going to be able to do this sort of backdoor BDS you know, and in some places like Texas, for instance, where we're sitting right now, they've expanded their expanded their anti boycott law to make sure that it includes these types of financial firms. Now, most of those um, laws do include it, but it's it's one of those things we're looking at of how do we make sure this is not some sort of loophole, basically, that the BDS movement has found to boycott Israel using these types of firms. Boris, thank you for your good work. You're making a difference. And for those who want to get involved, give me that website again they should go to. Uh, so there's two websites, Kufi Action Fund, C-U-F-I, actionfund.org. 
uh, which is our C4. That's where you'll find more of the federal stuff and our contact there. And then CUFI.org, which is the mothership okay. um, that has a lot of resources. Uh, and this is something that I'm going to be doing more and more on if you're interested in ESG. It's, it's, I feel like it's one of those kind of more cutting-edge problematic issues that are going to be, in, in, especially in this yeah. upcoming Congress, are going to be much, uh, I know leadership is interested in this issue, um, and it's going to be something that's going to, I think people are going to hear more and more about. Um, so please reach out. Boris Zilberman, Director of Public Policy and Strategy for Christians United for Israel Pastors. Church members, those of you that hear about this, go to the websites. We'll have the links in this post as well. Check it out and get involved. You want to stand with Israel? You want to, what can I do for Israel? What can I do to stand? Do this. Get involved with CUFI. It'll make an incredible difference. I've known this organization for many years, and I have the utmost confidence. And I, we were both just listening to Pastor Hagee a few minutes ago. They have won many organizations uh, you know, at Family Research Council, Life, Family, and Religious Freedom, you guys have one main focus, one mission. and it's Israel. And so we're going to stand with Israel, and I know when we do, God will bless us. Boris, thanks for your time. Thanks for your good work, and God bless you. Thank you. You too.